G'day everyone, Matt Ellis with you for another edition of the Cricket Library podcast and today we have a Queenslander who is very handy with the new ball. Stewart, big shout this time, he's given him, Stewart's gone for duck, well what a start by Alan Dale, one for none, England. He also pulled off one of the greatest catches you will ever see. In the air, there's a man out there, he's coming around, he's going to get close to it. Oh, what a ripper! That could turn the whole game. Adam Dale, he's got three wickets with the ball, that's one of the best catches you will ever see. It's time to sit back, relax and enjoy as we hear the Adam Dale story on the Cricket Library podcast. A very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast. Adam Dale, thanks so much for joining us. Maddie, how are you, mate? And thanks for having me. Yeah, great great to be joining you uh, and having the chance to, to share some of your story with our listeners. And where we like to always start, Adam, is just getting a little bit of a taste of, of where the passion for cricket started for you. Uh, I'm... I- um, I suppose like many others, my passion, you know, I was in Victoria, so it was footy in the winter and cricket in the summer. Um, I had, I'm the youngest of four, so I had older brothers and sisters, and so it was, it was always competitive and uh, certainly trying to emulate what my brothers did. They both played football and cricket. So the passion, and then really that was a traditional you know, a family in Victoria where Collingwood was our team of choice in the winter and the Aussies were our team of choice in the summer. And I grew up at a time when World Series cricket really came to the forefront. And I always, I remember waking up in the morning at you know, half past five to try and hear the Come On Aussie song. <laughs> and, um, the, you know, the Kerry Packer phenomenon at, in 1977. And McDonald's sponsored it and... So for myself, that was, um, but the cricket I just loved and I was lucky I could, you know, uh, kick the ball football-wise and I could hit the ball with the bat. And so I came from a family that was, you know, very focused on, well, not very focused, but, you know, sport was a massive part of what we did and cricket and footy were the choices. So I, my brother played league football for Melbourne, so he was the real football star and so for myself, um, I loved that part, but cricket was just a passion that I had and as soon as I could play it, I remember playing as a seven-year-old in the under-14s. Oh, wow. At, 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 at Eltham. And um, so, yeah, and sort of out, out of out of areas of Melbourne, so there wasn't, I wasn't on my own in that part, but um, yeah, it was a different time, but my passion was strong and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, and did you... Did you play any junior representative cricket or was it mainly club stuff that you were doing as a youngster? All, all club stuff. My first representative game, Matt, was when I played for Queensland. Oh, but I did play a second 11 game for Victoria. It was more of an invitational game. Okay. Uh, they played against the Victorian invitational, uh, not any, Victorian second 11 playing against the And it was, was nice. So I got a reward for taking some wickets in Premier Cricket in Victoria, but... No, I never made a seventeens or another nineteens or etc. I wanted to and I tried out and 
but I wasn't I, I wasn't good enough to be picked at that particular part of my journey. So my first state representative came was when I got a chance to play for Queensland. So um, and my journey is a bit different than others, and I would have loved to have, to have been one similar to where you know where you had a chance to play. But no, my all my cricket was club cricket. And you mentioned going to Queensland. Um, tell us a little bit about your move to Queensland because you you didn't move to Queensland to play cricket. You you moved there for other reasons. I did. I was twenty three, and I had a great job at Nike. I was a sales rep, and you know, it was just wonderful. And we opened up an office in Queensland, and um, the boss at the time, Michael Conlon, who was a famous Australian rules footballer and wonderful you know, in the sports industry and really well known. And he was leading the charge and we opened up an office in Brisbane and uh, I was asked if I wanted, it was like a promotion. I had never been north of the Murray really. So I went up at a brown couch and a telly, I still remember it. And <laughs> came up and I played a couple of games at the start of the summer because it was in, I moved up in the January and my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, Nikki, she was in England and I went over and saw her for couple of weeks over the Christmas period and had a cold English winter um, over that December period and which is our summer and I when I got to Queensland in the January it was right in the middle of cricket season and I didn't play because I just had to get a few other things done and settle and get my work focused on and and people always think oh you came to Queensland for cricket but really at that period about 1992 93, the last place in Australia you'd go to if you were a fast bowler was Queensland. Um, I mean, sure, Victoria had, you know, Rifle, Fleming, Hughes, Dottermade, had some terrific bowlers. Uh, but Queensland had, you know, uh, Rackerman, Tasler, Rao, McDermott, Kastovich, Bickle, Muller, Presswich, Creevy. Um, there was a, a long line of fast bowlers. So cricket wasn't in the forefront. Um, I knew that I, had, I wanted to play because it was a great way socially. But when I first got up here, I didn't play in the January or the February or March and the season was done. And I, I joined Mancrobat Football Club and played Aussie Rules for a winter yeah. and had a wonderful time and met some wonderful people. And then through that, got settled, got a bit more familiar with Brisbane and then played district cricket at Wynnum Manly. And... Um, you know, the, you know, you can, there was no guarantees I could play in the seconds, and I, lucky enough, I played in the practice games and got a few wickets, and then got picked in the first eleven, and then from there, um, got a few nicks and knocked a few overs, so which was great, and then ultimately, my cricket journey had begun. But I, really, I, I came up for, um, came up for work. So, so sales has always been a bit of a passion for you. It, it has. I've been um, lucky. I've had. I say to people, I'm the last person, or not since I last person. I mean, there's been other people, but I think from the male team point of view, I'm the last guy to take annual leave and play cricket for Australia. Um, yeah. Always had a job. <laughs> and um, I was working at Nike, and I remember um, I looked after the Foot Locker account and, in Australia, and I got picked. I was in the Queensland team, and I used to have to manage my days of annual leave and time without pay, etc. And when I got picked for Australia, I had to asked the boss ran your leaf and <laughs> I was ringing him from Perth and he was delighted but he said make sure you ring the buyer at Foot Locker so they know also um, <laughs> and we had some orders due but um, you know, for me um, working was always really important and 
I've always so that sales capacity. And when I finished my cricket, I went back to university and did a master's at Melbourne Uni, and you know really tried to strengthen the CV. So I wasn't good looking enough, Matt, or didn't play enough to be a commentator. <laughs> so I had to um, I had to get a real job, and and I've been lucky. I've been I've worked for some wonderful organisations, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm very I'm very lucky, and I'm, I'm had some wonderful uh, companies that have supported my journey. Yeah, absolutely. Taking annual leave to play for Australia—that's that's magnificent. We had we had Will Somerville on the podcast a couple of years ago, and he actually had to take annual leave when he first broke into the the New South Wales team working as an accountant. So it's just um, it's probably great when you're able to work in your passion. Did you find did you find that that helped with your cricket? The fact that you weren't sort of like for a lot of guys, they derive their self-worth from their, their runs and their wickets and, and when you're having a few bad days on the field, if that's all that you're doing, um, did, did you find that was helpful for you, having something else that, that you could put your energy into? For me, it was. Um, but I would have also loved to have been a full-time cricketer at 21. Uh, um, there's no question, just my journey was different and mm. um, my timeline was different to others. I tried my hardest to be a you know better cricketer at that age and for whatever reason my opportunities came you know I was 25 26 27 um, 28 when I played for Australia and the work I had a couple of kids and mortgage and it was just different you know where I came from outside the system and that's the wonderful thing and got picked and got rewarded for good club performances and then once you're in the shield ranks, you're you're amongst everyone. Um, but it's oh, that's the wonderful thing about Irish and our game. And one thing we need to always protect, and that is that we can have people from outside the traditional system, as long as they play district cricket, etc. Yeah. Um, and and work within those pathways to because you're always only three hits away from you know three hundreds away from getting picked for your state, or three or four fifers away, and that's what we. That's part of the dream, and I think while that dream's still alive, um, our competition benefits from it. But for me, I it did suit my uh, build up my program and, and my makeup, yep. and so cricket wasn't everything for me. So whether I got a five for or none for, um, you know, I still had work to go to, and uh, I had responsibilities at home, and. And probably the only time it, maybe it really became stressful for me is when I actually was full time at cricket and I didn't <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, there was nothing else to be, be nervous about. So, um, but as I said, I, you, you need you need really strong, you need great supporters in your career, and whether that's private, you know, personal or professional. And I was really lucky; I had some wonderful companies that supported me and gave me the opportunity to have that balance. So, but it, it did work well for me. It's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> it, it worked really well for me. It did, uh, and I was very lucky. And and breaking into that Queensland setup, you mentioned some of those names, those fast bowlers there in and around Queensland cricket at the time. I, I think I've heard Ian Healy say that they were some of the best net sessions ever. Because um, you got, did you guys used to do net sessions uh, where you're out, you're out? So you finish batting when you get out. Were you part of that era? Yeah, definitely. John Buchanan had some tremendous and very innovative ideas, and and you had to pick your mark because you didn't want to disadvantage your team. But certainly to create a 
a game-specific simulation as best you could, we would definitely have those types of scenarios. Um, and, you know, people knew that was the case. So, yes, and Heels was right. Um, the, the competitiveness within the, the nets was... We said, we, you know, we used to always try and train at first-class intensity. And, you know, you really, you train as you play and then you play as you train. And we always had that standard expectation and it held us in terrific stead. But we were, we were so well-led. You know, we had Healy, uh, Rackerman, Tesla, uh, Law. You know, we had some pretty good people and great examples around us that, um, you know, if ever we dropped below that line, um, we were quickly reminded that we had to pick it up. And it just set a great standard for us. And, you know, the best coach is, is yourself. And if you've got the right standards and the right guidance and direction, that can be really powerful. And we were really lucky in our training sessions. And we had John Buchanan, of course, who was a mm. star at directing traffic and conducting the orchestra, the orchestra. But, um, yeah, training was fun. It was competitive. And, you, you know, you're throwing that mix, Martin Love, Jimmy Barr, Andrew Simons, Kasevich Bickle, and everyone going at full tilt. Um, they were good fun. Yeah, sounds sounds like it. And creating creating that winning culture, you come in to, to a, a very strong environment. Um, you start uh, with some short format cricket. Uh, do you remember much about your debut up at Barlow Park in Cairns? Oh, I do. I remember it like it was yesterday. And it was such an exciting time. Um, you know, Alan Border playing and other Queensland legends. And it was wonderful. And... I remember being there and mobile phone calls were a lot more expensive than they are now, but I do remember ringing the mother from the change rooms and saying, oh, this is the greatest thing in my life. Yeah. Um, so it probably cost me, you know, $30 for that 30 seconds. <laughs> um, it was one, and, and we, I didn't get a wicket, um, but got a chance to bowl and I, I got a, a, a good understanding or initial initiation of what, what needed to, to, to play at that level, what you needed. And, of course, it was a um, you know a match that was more of a friendly than a, I mean it was a full-on match. It was very competitive, but certainly Sri Lanka was part of their tour, and uh, but I, I loved it and enjoyed it. And then you know from then on, we didn't have as many one-day games as they do now. So any opportunity you got with the white ball, you had to grab it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you start in white ball cricket first season with Queensland there. Uh, a Mercantile Mutual Cup winning season. Uh, and then uh, you, you break into the Shield team, I think, the following summer. Do you remember much about breaking into that Shield team and uh, making your debut and putting on that maroon cap for the first time in long format cricket? Yeah, very much so. We, uh, you're right, played in the, and we were lucky because my first year in the squad, we won the Sheffield Shield. So it was the first time that Queensland had won it. And it was just an unbelievable time to be around cricket and Queensland cricket. Um, we had, you know, AB, Carl Rackerman, Dirk Tasler, Ian Healy. You know, we had some really senior guys. Then we had a lot of young guys. And I was in that group of young, youthful um, up-and-comers. And Dirk Tasler was at the other end of his journey. And he'd been a superstar for Queensland and was still a superstar. Um, but, but a little opportunity popped up for a swing bowler. And, you know, I think Dickie might have got injured and and they took that, gave me that chance. And then in that one day, in that season, we won the one day 
final, as you referenced. So we'd won the Shield and then we'd won the one day. And then on the back of that good form, the selectors looked upon me favourably and I played that first game against Tassie in the next Shield year. And I think I got a, you know, a four for and a three for or got seven wickets for the game. Uh, and I am I right in a, saying a, wicket on your fourth ball? Yeah, Jamie Cox caught Jimmy Ma. Um, I, I do remember it. We won the toss and bowls, and um, it was. Uh, I think I'm right in saying that. And we uh, was one. Oh, it was terrific. And we had a bit of a rain delay. And I remember going up and talking and watching the media people, guys, guys and girls, you know, doing their stuff. And yeah, it was terrific. And then we had that year of Shield cricket and. Because we'd not long won it, and we won the one-day final, and then we were, but we were a really young team and inexperienced. Because our, you know, there's Healy, uh, I think Craig McDermott was, you know, injured. Uh, Carl wasn't, you know, he sort of hadn't officially retired, but he'd been injured, and Dickie'd been injured. So we were very young, and we we played some terrific cricket that year, and you know, we were lucky enough to win it again. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, a key, you you kind of progress. From playing for Queensland to playing for Australia, just a couple of things on the timeline um, to get your reflections on. Um, Boxing Day 96, you play a another one of these one-day warm-up games for the touring touring teams and, and, and you get a five-wicket haul against Pakistan. Uh, can you tell us um, where you saw yourself in the kind of pecking order, I guess, at that stage and... Um, do you think that that five wicket haul got the attention of of the people that you needed the attention of? Oh, when you get picked, you need to you know there's a you've got to have a bit of luck and you've got to be in good form and there's got to be opportunity. The selectors have got to like you. I mean, there's a whole lot of factors that go into that part of your career. And for me, I wasn't thinking of I didn't think that that five would put me on the radar of Australian selection. Um, First and foremost, I wanted to hold my spot in the Queensland team. That yeah. Was tough enough as it was. You know, you think of you know, Kastovic, Bickle, Dawes, uh, Creevy, uh, Presswich, Muller. Um, there were some wonderful bowlers. So, really, we, and wonderful bowlers in great cricket that were doing a terrific job. And so, every game you had to play well, Matt. There was no, you couldn't rest up and you couldn't just sort of have a, a lazy game. Everyone was going hard. Mm. So, for me, Keeping my spot in the Queensland team was my priority, and I wasn't—I wasn't even thinking of national selection. And uh, because, as I said, you know, we and the way that you know the the the, the group and the way Buchanan led the team and Law led the team. Now that was for me the priority was to play well and the team benefit. And along the way, you get a few wickets and other things. That's all. That's part of the process. And then. And I was probably thinking, you know, I think Casper and Bick might have played. Um, so it was around, that, that, that Australian selection was around all of us, but not for me personally. It really wasn't until that game in Perth. I'd had, I took 40 wickets in the Shield year. Mm. So I had a good year and played well. But again, you got Casper, Vich and Bickle at the other end. It's pretty lucky, you know, when they're bowling well. Like <laughs> sort of look at me and think they can, you know, <laughs> I was a benefit. I benefited from a lot of good work they did. And, but that Shield final that year, again, McGrath got injured in South Africa. Yeah. Uh, there was an opportunity for a bowler in one-day cricket, and I was lucky enough to be picked where there could have been, you know, three or four others in the, at the same, you know, 
in the same position. So, so when do you hear the news? You play that Shield. I think that Shield final was about a week before the first ODI over there in South Africa. Do you know who who gives you the call? What's what's the yep, story the, the there? Were over there? I reckon Bick was over there for the Test series. Casper um, and I were bowling for Queensland. Um, Creevy and Scotty Presswood was twelfth man. Paul Jackson um, was our spinner. Um, we um, played the game the, the last morning of the Shield. It's a five day game, the Shield final. And we had to, WA had to bat all day, and we, mm. had, or we had to get five wickets, and they had a lot of runs to get. So we're all very focused and ready. And I remember I was out there talking to Nikki, my wife, and our young, our oldest daughter, Molly, was only a month old. Oh, wow. So I was talking talking to Nikki and, um, and you know, getting in on her and Molly. And then I, I sort of hung up, I looked, hung up the phone, and I looked around, and there was the media manager. And it was early in the morning because a couple of hours behind. And he said, oh, by the way, you've been hit for Australia. And I just kind of, I, had, I didn't even think, I didn't even know it was coming. didn't even, hadn't even thought of it. And that's how I found out. So I rang my, mom, rang my wife back, rang my mum, rang my boss. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and then we went to the ground um, it was just, I just, it was so, I was just walking on air. But we had to get the job done and we, we won the Shield final. And then myself, Stuart Law, Brendan Julie, and Adam Gilchrist flew out of Perth. And uh, to me, that was Michael Divinito mm. in, in Sydney. And then we flew to South Africa. Yeah, because. So, uh, well, it's a long time ago. Divinito makes his debut in that game as well. He does. Diva was a fantastic player. And. Um, Right, so I was rewarded and played really well. Um, and then we won that series, I think it was best of seven. We won it 4-3. We won it, we were up, yeah, it was just a wonderful experience. And so I found out that the morning, the fifth day of the Shield final, and yeah, just as I said, things like yesterday. Yeah, yeah, um, phenomenal memories. And um, but any recollections of, of that debut? Mark Taylor's captain, um I think you get to bat before you get to bowl. You and Bevo get a few runs at the end of that first first innings there before before you get to have a bowl. No, thank you for uh, referencing that. So Michael and I put on a record partnership or an equal record partnership at the time for uh, I think a tenth wicket, yeah, ninth wicket. It was um, we, uh, but I remember batting with him and he said, "Oh, he didn't really know me, and we'd only met a couple of days before." I said, listen, I can hold up an end, but I just can't run as fast as you. So I just remember that. <laughs> he, was, he was so fast between the wickets. And um, we got ourselves to a total, but we lost the game. And, yeah, I got a chance to bowl and got a wicket. I think it was Gibbs caught Gilchrist. Yeah. And and he was, was suspended. And he missed the first couple of one days because of um, the test match finish um, in Joburg, I reckon. Oh, and, yep. And then Mark Taylor uh, chubbed my captain the first couple and then he had a break for the rest of the series when Hills came back. So, yeah, it was a great series. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you get that taste playing for Australia. It was, it was always in the back of your mind uh, one day hoping to get the chance to put on that baggy green? Oh, 100%. That's certainly for me. That was always the dream as 
but wearing the one day cap was also and um and now with the 2020 environment back then we also had super eights so yeah. um i yeah the baggy dream was totally a, a focus and a dream but it's a competitive space and you, you know as i said you need a lot of good things to go be happening and a bit of luck and good form and opportunity and etc and but I was really lucky. Um, I got that chance. It only was a couple of times. And um, one was against India uh, when Tendulkar got 100 and the other one was against the West Indies where Lara got 100. So but we won both test matches and I got a few wickets along the way. And so I played in two test matches for two wins. I would have loved to have played, you know, maybe it would have been great to play at the Gabba uh, yeah. or at the Wacker or some of those more well, conditions that were more suitable to my suited to my bowling because uh, those wickets were pretty flat, yeah. and um, <laughs> and I think of that Indian lineup, um, it was unbelievable in those conditions. But to win the test match, the first test match in Australia, won in about thirty years. Mm. Bill Laurie's touring party, and yeah, we've got a chance to sing the song, and but you know it was it was wonderful. Yeah, so I, I, that was a dream, and I would have loved to have played more, but I'm more than happy with those two that I did. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned bowling to Tendulkar there. He, he made he made a big big score in that um, in that first innings. And um, what was it like just in that bowling group? That I think you and Casper would have taken the new ball, and then you've got um, the late great Shane Warne working his magic over there. What was it like uh, seeing him in operation at, at Test match level? Well, I had a front row seat to the the best show in the world and he was wonderful and everything you watched or saw or read or heard it was true he was um yeah had a front row seat i um you we they, they, they had a wonderful batting lineup but seeing warney in india and that was a tough place for any bowler and certainly from a spinning point of view but he was um he just coming back from his shoulder so he probably wasn't at his best um but he was yeah, he was terrific to play with and everyone enjoyed him um, enjoyed his company and but to win that test match you know, I think Mark Taylor got some runs Mark Wall got some runs and Casper really it was a turning point in his career mm. he got a five for in that second innings and bowled beautifully and Gavin Robinson was the other spinner yeah so we had a team we had a make up a team and McGrath wasn't playing and some others and but we had some challenges around injuries but we played very well and then the game in the West Indies was when Shane got dropped. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So there's, you know, it's, um, that was another, you know, at the other end of the extreme. And, and certainly to be involved in that game was, um, you know, I didn't say too much and just observed and watched. But, you know, it was a really tough time for him. And the West Indies were playing. We won the first test match and then they played really well for the next couple. And then we had to win that test match to retain the, Frank Wall Trophy and Stephen made that big decision and, and Warney and McGrath, Warney, sorry, and McGill were bowling and they went with McGill and then myself and Colin Miller came in because I, I think Dizzy Gillespie might have been injured. Yep. So the two changes were myself and Miller and again, we're lucky enough to win the test match. So um, yeah, um, two from two. Yeah, two, two from two. I just 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 on that West Indies tour, uh, uh, the lead up to that uh, that that Test match, you you certainly um, set 
set a good standard. Seven for 24 against the West Indies Board 11 and then six for against West Indies A. Did you feel um, you were ready to go? Like, were you were you thinking now's as good a time as ever to, to give, give me another chance to play test cricket? I was bowling really well, but I, I'd been... I've been bowling well for a while, you know. I, I think at that level, um, you know, it was so competitive and, and there were so many people putting their hand up. So you really have to be on your game at all times. So I was lucky in those two games to get some wickets. They were both in Antigua, so the test match was in Antigua. So the planets were aligning well for me there. Mm. And then again, things have got to, you know, opportunities got to come, forms got to come into play, selection, etc. So I was lucky that, Unfortunately, I got sick just leading into the test match and I didn't say anything. And then as the test match proceeded, I became really ill and I was diagnosed with pneumonia oh. the day after the test match. And um, so I was I was very ill throughout and I had to get quarantined and it was I missed the one-day series. And um, Andy Bickle, who's a dear, dear mate, had to stay behind and be my nurse. And, um, yeah, so I, it was a... It was one of those experiences which was wonderful. We won the test match, got a few wickets. But unfortunately, from a physical point of view, I was definitely challenged around the health. And um, I lost a lot of weight. And I remember it was so hot. And the only cold place in the rooms was on the concrete floor. And I used to lie down on the concrete floor <laughs> to try and, you know, appease some of the heat. And the lads were, oh, come and get up, you know. <laughs> and they didn't realise how crook I was. Um, but now I, I got very sick and... Um, it got hospitalised and ultimately had to fly home. So um, it was, but yeah, again, just another a good story to tell. But it was um, a great experience, or an experience that I'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's why Alan Border says uh, Queenslanders are tough. Playing a Test match with pneumonia. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's. Oh, definitely. I've all to play Test matches or any sport in some of those in conditions like that is. Yeah, it's, it's an experience in itself. But really, I mean, I'd go, you'd go to the moon if you got a chance to play for Australia. So, yeah. I, to me, it was never a problem. And the, the few times that I was invited to play, I never knocked it back. Um, it would, as I said, it, you need conditions. Sometimes you'd love to play in other conditions, but I wouldn't change it for the world, Matt, and nor the cannot. So there's no point yeah. thinking those things. But it was a great experience. And to see Warney up, Close. I played a lot. Well, I didn't say play a lot. All my one-day cricket was played with Shane, mm. and you know, seeing him at first hand, and he had that stint of being captain in the Aussie summer when Stephen was injured, and you know, he was. I remember he, you know, putting a short leg in for me in a one-day game. Just those sorts of things that he did. Um, you know, there wasn't too many people smarter on the cricket field than him. Yeah, and uh, a key man in that 1999 World Cup that you're a part of. Um, your recollections of, of the 99 victorious tour with Australia? I was really lucky. Um, went over there on the back of that experience I had in the West Indies. So all the team went to, I reckon, Barbados for three weeks to rest and recoup rather than come home and then go back to London. Yep. They had all families came over and stayed. My wife still uh, tells me off. She can't believe I was coming. So I came home for a month <laughs> to recoup um, or four weeks, three weeks and recovered and then flew back. And there was enough time between that and the first game 
for me to recover, they felt, and to be able to present as best I could. Um, for myself, yeah, played the, we, we, in history will show what happened with the team, and we were up against it after we played Scotland, just one, <laughs> um, or we say just one, we didn't, we didn't make it as comfortable as we should have, and then we got beaten by New Zealand, beaten by Pakistan, so there were some definite stresses in the in the group, and because we were favourites, mm. as most Australia are in most tournaments, and uh, but to watch Stephen's leadership and warning perform, and you know Ricky Ponting and, and other players, um, you know, do their stuff. It was wonderful. So again, had front row seat. Would have loved to have played, no question. More yep. play two games, but um, yeah, I feel very much a part of it and. Myself, Brendan Julian, Damian Martin and Shane Lee sat on the bench and we're, we're great mates and we'll, we'll always be great mates and, you know, Damian Martin got a chance to play in the next World Cup, if not the next couple. Um, yeah. But yeah, what a great memory and all cricket lovers will remember that, you know, time the Australian team did that. Yeah, and the pandemonium in, in the semi-final, probably... probably um the highlight of the tournament, the the final itself was a, a pretty one way traffic, but that that semi final to get there, how how was it sitting in in the dugouts or the balcony watching that unfold? Oh, it's stressful, um, but we always knew it was funny. There was always this just this belief that we would win and mm. we would get through, regardless of where we were and the status of the game. So there was a great belief and really well instilled. To the group by the leaders, um, Stephen, Shane, Nawani, you know, and Tom Moody was a you know an unofficial, didn't have a title, but you know what a great leader during that tournament as well. And Gilly and these people that were coming into their own, uh, we had a great belief amongst us. So even though things were were under pressure in that final, um, there was definitely a confidence. And so sitting in the rooms, there was the four of us watching on with Jeff Marsh and others. I, I can't recall us ever thinking, oh, we're done. Mm. It was always, we're still in it, we're still in it. So even when Klusner hits those two first balls for four off Glemmer, <laughs> <laughs> and you think, wow, um, we uh, we can still draw it. You know, we can still draw it and get through, and that's what happened. So, But, what a, yeah, it was wonderful. It was, uh, it was great, and great celebrations, and we came back home, and, you know, there were ticket tape parades in Melbourne and Sydney. Um, uh, every, it seemed like everyone in Australia was up watching and celebrating it. So it was a great time. It was great to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, people who love their cricket like to trawl YouTube and you do a search for greatest catches of all time. Uh, you might get the red-headed Queenslander Paul Vorton pop up occasionally. But uh, <laughs> you, you're, you, you have taken one of the... The, the great outfield catches. Give us give us a little bit of a backstory um, around around the catch. The Mercantile Mutual Cup, New South Wales v Queensland, so some good rivalry there. And um, can you just clarify for us first? Were you in position? <laughs> I did use to drift, no <laughs> question. Um, <laughs> and I reckon I was out of position a fair way. And um. But no, I had a good arm, I could catch, and so outfielding was my, you know, I didn't, I wasn't an infielder. I got, like, we had Andrew Simons and Jimmy Marr, I and mean, there was no better infielders than them, and great catches in love and war. 
So really, the rest of us were, and Jeff Foley was a great catcher and a great fielder, so the rest of us were in the outfield. And So I reckon I was out of position. Um, the game was tight. Uh, they were at full strength. We were at full strength. There's a few thousand people at the Gabba. You know, the, the Mercantile Mutual Cups were, you know, popular. And um, Presto was bowling. And, you know, the game was in the balance. And lucky enough, you know, the ball stopped, stuck. But there's no real funny stories to it other than it was a really nice moment in time. You know, my kids are sick of seeing it on the TV. <laughs> I keep showing them. Um, Bill, Laurie's, Bill Laurie's call on it is just one that I will always, you know, always have. Um, yeah, you know, and a great memory, and uh, and then, but unfortunately, you know, Michael Bevan, you know, got in the way and made it, you know, sixty or seventy not out and got them home. But it was a great game. It's a great memory. It's nice to be thought of, and I'll, you know, I never had an issue when you're playing. You're always a bit cool, and you know, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about too many things. But when you finish playing, you never have an issue <laughs> having a yarn about things, and I'm no different. So. It was a really nice moment in time, and it's nice to be remembered. And um, yeah, it was a, it was a good catch. Yeah. It cost me a little bit. It hurt, it hurt my shoulder, and I played through it for a couple of years, and then it just continued to tear. Yeah, I had to have it operated on, and and that cost me twelve months. And then really, uh, I probably was never the same in that sense. But that's okay. That was um, my story, my journey. Yep. And um, but it was a nice moment in time. So thank you for remembering it. Oh, one of the uh, even as a New South Welshman, I had to appreciate <laughs> that catch. Uh, you win a couple more shields with Queensland, two thousand, two thousand and one. Uh, one one thing I would I wanted to ask you about: uh, did did you miss out on a fifty? You're out hit wicket in one of these shield finals in in the in the forties. Yeah, no, I, I was. There was a, a shield final against Victoria. We batted for a long time. And because we were hosting the final, it was we didn't necessarily have – the way we could win was by drawing. Yep. So um, they were batting for a long, long time. And but I think they worked out pretty quick to, you know, bounce me and <laughs> bowl bumpers. And I probably was just standing back a bit too far, Matty. And I did. I stood on my wickets. And um, I was thinking maybe they haven't seen that. And then, sure enough, uh, Darren Berry and Co. did. And uh, Porky Parker went to the replay, and I did. I just touched it. Uh, so I, I got out. But um, no, my cover drive, my outswing is what got me picked. My cover drive and hook shot were, were, were things that I had. If I was lucky enough to get a few away, I did. Um, and I love my batting. Like, we used to have a real competitive. You know, Bick was always at eight. And then, you know, the rest of us were nine, 10, 11. Um, and it was mixed and match, but we used to, if we could put on 50, 60 between the three of us, um, it was always good for the team. But we were lucky. Um, you could quite comfortably win the toss and bat with Jimmy Ma, Martin Love, Stuart Law, Andrew Simons, Jeff Foley. Mm. You could you could have a good rest down, you know, in the nets and come up at lunchtime and eat well and still be one or two down. We had a pretty good team, so we're pretty lucky. And, and coming to a point where you decided. Time, time to hang up the boots, so to speak. Did, did it help you coming to that conclusion, uh, given the fact that you'd, you'd been building this professional career outside of cricket? Did that make the decision easier when you finally decided um, to, to hang up the boots? Um, I'd, always had, I'd always maintained the career, except for a little period during sort of that World Cup, sort of 99. You know, I went... I, we went over to England and took the family there and 
as soon as I got back, I got a job. So I always knew I had a, I was confident that getting uh, a good role somewhere would be, I was was in the right place to do that. Um, But I I remember thinking at at that time, I might have been 34, um, and it was the right time to go back into the corporate environment in a more serious capacity, in a full-time capacity, rather than being both a cricketer and a, uh, been working and really you, you are a bit behind your peers you know lots of guys that I went to that I was working with at Nike so you know they they've been in senior positions you know I've played first class cricket from 26 you know but, but sort of, you put your, you put that party world on hold for six or seven years sometimes mm. so I knew I had to get back into it but at the same time I, I wanted to finish on my terms and I wanted to cause I had such a great time at first class cricket in regards to friendships and enjoyment. And for me, I was probably getting, because my shoulder was giving me a bit of grief and there were some people coming through that were Mitchell Johnson and Ashley Nofke and there were some stars coming through. Now, Joey Dawes was bowling well, Casper and Vic were still around. It was tough to hold one spot. And I think all those factors thrown into a bit of a melting pot. I thought, hey, this is time for me to, you know, it's a good time for me to move into the next part of my life and Reebok, offered me a role in Melbourne and that's what took me back there. Um, but mm. we would have gone anywhere. I would have gone to any state, WA, Chabot, because I needed to get on with the next part of my life. So I was lucky, Matt, that I did have that experience and um, gave, you know, companies confidence to, to back me to, to, you know, to hopefully do some good things for them. Yeah, and tell us about what you're doing now. What, what, what are you up to these days? Well, I'm working in cricket, which is just, I'm really enjoying it working in Queensland cricket. I'm in a, a general manager of sales and partnerships um, in the commercial division. So all things revenue, yep. um, whether it's uh, sponsorship and partnerships or ticketing, uh, hospitality, membership, uh, I work in that team. And um, we're going okay. Queensland cricket's a really good place to work. Uh, Terry Spencer, our boss, is a good fella. Um, we've got some really good, we've got a terrific team, great people. And also from a performance point of view, the Fire and the Bulls, and we've got the WBBL and the BBL, our team, um, played well last year. The, the men's, the women just missed, the, just missed out on the title. And, um, you know, probably, you know, they've got, they've got some really good opportunities this season. And the men's just got to the final and missed out. So, um, so being back in cricket, Matt, um, I'm really lucky. You know, Queensland gave me an opportunity on the field and they've also given me a little chance off the field. So I'm really fortunate and I've moved the family up. But my kids are a bit older now. They're 26, 25, 21. Yep. So 22, I should say. And we've had our first grandchild. Oh, um, wow. And little William's been presented to, to Molly and Brayden. So all for whatever re- we're just lucky. Um, all the planets have aligned and we're all in Queensland because in Melbourne, we COVID and we had about six years where we weren't together as a family. We might have seen one at a time or here and there, but we actually hadn't been in the one room for six years. Oh, wow. So coming to Queensland, it just worked out really nicely. We were all in the one state. So work's going really good. I love it. Uh, having the family together is, is the highlight. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It sounds like sounds like it's all coming full circle and um, things things are looking pretty good. Well, well they, they are. And... Um, Hey, but you got, it's, it's a tough environment. Um, you know, it's a competitive space and there's definitely some economic headwinds 
hitting all businesses. Mm. And sports not immune to that. And we've got to make sure our proposition is strong and that our offer is strong. And we're, we're really lucky. We've got some terrific sponsors and partners. They're all very supportive. Um, they love the game of cricket. Hey, we're, we're a non-for-profit organisation. Mm. Um, but if we had a share price, it's how many boys and girls are playing the game. And you're the same in New South Wales. Yep. We're all doing it for that reason. Um, and we're lucky the partners and sponsors that we have, as you have, um, are genuinely committed to that outcome. And so it's great to work in that environment. It really is. I, I must admit, I can't, can't fault it. Yeah, yeah, sounds sounds outstanding. And uh, seeing more boys and girls play cricket is is the desire of of all of us. And um, one of the places I used to love going as a kid, and I still love going now as a forty four year old, is is the cricket nets. And our our closing question for all our guests is: if you could have a dream net session, um, who are the three people uh, that Adam Dale is inviting to the nets? They don't have to be cricketers. They could be. From any any walk of life, um, your dream net session. Well, someone said to me because I did when bowling to Lara in Tendulkar. They said, "Oh, where's the best place to bowl to each?" I said, "In the nets." Because <laughs> you don't want to bowl them in the game. So, um, but your dream net session. Well, let's keep it cricket specific. Um, my, my favourite cricketer is Ian Healy, so he's definitely got to be there. Um, Dennis Lilly, yeah, um, and Viv Richards. Ah, oh, very nice. Uh, oh, I'd have a fourth. I'd, uh, and Rodney Hogg, who I love. Okay. So I'd have yeah, those um, those four, uh, even though three, um, I can't split Healy or Hogg, who I love, but Lily and, and Richards, um, hey, it doesn't get much better than that. So um, that would be my answer. Well, there you go. That that would be a very enjoyable net. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure Heels would keep it nice and competitive with – some good chat. I reckon there'd be some very hog bowling, Healy keeping, Lily bowling. Vivid be but then just. You could, ask me, you could ask me again, and I'd say, well, uh, Ma Simon's Moss. You know, I'd have lots of laughs. Yeah. Um, and if there's, I'm lucky, Matt, throughout my cricket, I was able to meet um, lots of people and um, lots of really good people. And. Um, their memories, uh, you know, yeah, it's wonderful. I mean, cricket had a tough time in the last 18 months. You think mm. of Dean Jones and Rod Marsh and Warney and we lost Roy, you know, and who we love and uh, we miss him every day. So mm. cricket's been under pressure in many ways, but we're, we're all really, it's great to be back amongst mates and, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to the summer ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for spending time with us on the Cricket Library podcast. I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to your story and um, really hope it inspires others to, to love and play the game. Thanks thanks for being part of the show. Thanks, Matt. ta A massive thanks to Adam Dale for joining us on this edition of the podcast and a massive thanks to you, our loyal listeners for tuning in once again as always and if you're a new listener to the podcast it's great to have you on here as well please make sure you check out our back catalogue plenty of great episodes that you can check in on and I'm sure you'll enjoy those if you enjoyed today's chat and you'll enjoy our next guest as well his name is Adam Hollyoak former England captain a man with a very interesting story to tell. So make sure you hit the subscribe button. Make sure that you don't miss that one. 
and I look forward to your company again next time. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library Podcast. Bye for now.